0: Welcome to the Jungle Brothers podcast, it's Joey, it's Paul, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and it's Tima. Hi guys. Hey Tima, how you doing?
1: Good, very good.
0: Uh, guys, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, today we've got one of our one of the newest recruited coaches at Jungle Brothers, Jungle Botany. Um, it's going to be a fucking hard time <laughs> getting through this name change. Um, Tima, how long have you been working with us for now?
2: Oh, great question. Uh, About
1: three probably, months?
2: Yeah, probably mm-hmm. since... Let's say Feb, right? I got to Sydney um, probably at the end of January, around the 20th. Um, and yeah, came straight here. Actually, you were at the door, you I and JT. The, I
0: remember the day you walked in.
2: Yeah, and I walked in um, on a Monday morning. I got here on a Friday night and I was like, I need this Monday morning. I want to go. And yeah, I walked in here and uh, about 10 days later, I think I took on my first class <laughs> um, with a very, very late notice because um, T forgot to let me know. <laughs> Naturally. And yeah, and that was it. Yeah.
0: And so you have taken over your role here. You're the head fight factory coach. Yeah. So you've taken over that program from T, yep. which is Tuesday, Thursday nights. Yes. Um, are you involved in any of the other classes at this point?
2: Not at this point. uh, For now, only the fight factory. But, um, yeah, hopefully in a few months, um, as I'm finishing my certification, then I can start getting more involved with um, strength strength training or, yeah.
0: That's cool. It's very serendipitous because for years, Tiora was saying, we need a specialist fight coach. We need a specialist fight coach. It was for a long time. For a fucking goddamn, like from back in the old gym. And then it was about, what, I don't know, that was maybe – Two weeks before he left, <laughs> that teamer walked in, and yeah. he was like, "That's the girl."
2: Yeah, it was it was just a, a great timing. I I wanted to leave Byron for months, and every time there was something happening that did not allow me to go. Uh, the f- plan was Melbourne, ended up coming to Sydney. Um, and uh, at the right time, I think, it, yeah, the universe was just uh, keeping me up there and, and waiting for the right time. Um, and I, I came here not knowing that you guys were looking for somebody. So it was just perfect timing. And I remember T telling me um, after I took on that first class, we coming down the stairs and he just told me, you know, T, I don't believe in coincidence. Like you just walked in at the right time the right person and this is yours if you want to that's it and I just said yeah of course I want to I'm in how cool yeah super cool
0: how did you um you had been you'd been following us for a while we'd spoken on Instagram because I used to manage the account and and uh, I was very aware of you we'd had some cool exchanges there and you you'd been listening to our podcast I believe yes yes how long had you sort of been aware of us and what you know how did that all go down
2: um, it actually happened through the Bulletproof for BJJ. So um, I was following the Bulletproof, uh, doing some of your awesome stretches and stuff. Um, and uh, my idea was to go to Melbourne uh, the, 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 first, like, the first time. Um, so I actually messaged the Bulletproof uh, for BJJ account talking about Gymnastica Natural. Um, and you replied back to me saying, oh, this is Joey, I'm actually in Sydney, but JT's in Melbourne. Explained the situation a little bit. Um, and then from there, I kind of linked it back to Jungle Brothers. And I just saw a few posts and a few videos. I'm like, this is really cool. And I started following. Then I started listening to the podcast and it just made me want to be here, really. Like I moved, when I moved here and I came here the first day, I felt like I knew every one of you. Like I knew what was your role, who was who, the sound of the voice. Um, <laughs> just, and, and I would love listening to the podcast and thinking, man, I'll have a great time with these guys. <laughs> like I just, I knew you already and I knew I would be home here.
0: That's kind of eerily cool, isn't it? That, it, that like, uh, you know, I mean, it's, you know, makes me proud that our, mm-hmm. that our marketing can kind of deliver in that way because it's kind of what it is. But it's so cool that you can, yeah, you can get this insight into people through a podcast or whatever, um, to the point there that when you meet them for the first time, it's almost like you already know them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's I mean, how it felt. And Instagram and social media does that for us, doesn't it? But like, I think podcasts go that next level where you just get to know them more intimately.
2: Absolutely. And because you, you share some, you know, really content that was relevant to me, but also through the podcast values or things that you you Defend. That's that's what Jungle Brother is, and that was aligned with with me. So I think that's why I felt like I need to come here.
0: That's very cool. What was um? So you're in Byron Bay. Yeah. What was your deal there, and what made you leave? Because apparently that's where every fucking person in Australia wants to live.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it is a beautiful place. So definitely, I understand why everyone wants to go there. And I went there not really knowing what what was Byron, but. Um, I lived in Bahrain for six years, uh, never thought I would stay there that long, um, and just things worked out for me there. It's a small town where it's actually quite difficult to, um, work to find your space and, um, but I was just very lucky, um, I met the right people and had the time to train more, and focus more on um, my multi training. And that led me to be able to compete, be able to coach, be able to work at the biggest gym um, in the Shire. So the gym uh, is the Academy Martial Arts, uh, which was called Extreme MMA before that. So I started there when it was Extreme MMA and went through all the transition with the, the, the owners and the team. Um, Extreme
0: MMA, it brings, kind of conjures up some images, doesn't it?
2: Yes, yeah, so that's that's why the whole they rebranding right. into the academy, which is more school, a bit more refined, yeah, yep. that is kind of image. Um, so yeah, the the story is I started training with my coach um, Jared Flick, who's a pretty renowned renowned coach up there, like for Muay Thai, and um, he trained me hard and got me to uh, jump in the ring in Australia and tra- do a proper transition to Muay Thai from French kickboxing um, on top of the training I had in Thailand. And I started coaching with him in a little container, little disgusting container. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We had no showers, nothing was a proper Thai style thing. Um, But started taking on classes with him, uh, coaching kids, coaching women, um, coaching more and more. And one day he's like, you know what, I'm away this week. You take on the business or you cover this PT. And I'm like, oh. This means I'm doing good. Like, I know he, he he's trusting me now, not just as a person, but as a, as a coach or as a fighter. So I started working with him. Then he had to let go of the container. Um, was and it, like,
0: actually a shipping container? Yes, it was. For real? Yeah. Did it have some windows and ventilation and shit?
2: No, we just had, two like, two little containers with uh, one side open, the other side open. That was our ventilation. Wow. And a tiny ring, a few bags. It was proper just two containers and we put mats and bags and that's it. Um, So then he moved to the academy to work at the academy where he was originally a coach before when it was extreme. Um, And he started coaching Muay Thai classes and they had no space for anybody else. So I just went there, followed him, started training there uh, without having the opportunity to coach. Um, then one of the owners named Andy, Andy Dennis, uh, if you listen to this, I'm saying hi to you and your lovely wife, cause these guys play the a big role, uh, for me here. Um, so I just went to see him and I said, you need a woman coach in here. And it's me, just stop looking. <laughs> and he just had this big smile and he just said, I love this. Yeah, let's do it. What do we do? And then we started a six-week or eight-week challenge. It was a mixed challenge, so we just had early morning class. Whoever wants to enroll for eight weeks and learn Muay Thai. After the challenge, um, we decided, okay, let's try another one, but with women only. So we launched this little Facebook ad marketing. Come and train with a woman. So a martial art training program for women, run by a woman. And the first class, I walked in and I had 37 girls waiting to train with me. Oh, my God. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, I'm a young, I'm a young coach. Um, we had a huge space, so we could actually accommodate that many people. But how am I going to deliver a program to all of these girls? And it worked. I was just... Very loud, <laughs> and like trying to give a lot of energy and trying to give attention to everyone. It wasn't that easy, but you had it enough worked.
0: Pads and gloves and all that yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, that's a big group of people.
2: Yes, yes, and then we continued like that. It just worked after. So it was an eight-week challenge. Week seven, I had all of them coming up to me asking, "What is next? Um, what do we do after this? This is week seven. What's happening next? We don't want to stop." So we just ended up creating a special offer for those fierce female and saying, if you sign up next week, you join the gym, we're actually going to keep this program running. So we converted almost 100% of them to members um, and created a new program at the same time. So that was my foot on the door. So now I had a class. So I had a space for me to coach and from there things started happening. I took on kids classes, then I took a few evening classes, then I started covering some admin shifts when somebody was away, then started covering management shifts, then the manager left and then I got sponsored as fitness centre manager um, for uh, my visa uh, and had a full-time job there as a manager and coach. So that was the whole progression, it went from there's no space for you, but you know what? You need a chick here and it's me to me running the gym. And it was an awesome, it was an awesome journey, like um, training wise, professionally, and human, a beautiful human story. Like I met awesome, awesome people in, through this. Yeah.
0: How long was that period from when you started there to like becoming, getting sponsorship? Yeah. How much time passed?
2: Uh, I started coaching there at the beginning of 2017. Yep, and we did the sponsorship probably in a year and a half later or something like that. Yeah, okay,
0: that's pretty quick, isn't it? Really, in yeah. the scheme of
2: yeah, from works.
0: what I understand, getting sponsored by a business is one. It's not easy to find a business that will do it, and then it's quite a process to make it happen, isn't
2: it? Yeah, no, the process is not too long. Uh, it's just a lot of paperwork and stuff, but it's not too long to actually lodge an application. Right. Uh, what takes more time is just, yeah, for the business to, to be actually, you know what, I'm going to invest on this person because yep. the person is worth it. And I actually have somebody who's going to be here for a few years too. So it's a kind of, yeah. Yep. It's a one, we'll yeah, win. they've got to
0: know they're getting the right thing out of it as well. Of course, yeah. <clears yeah. <clears <throat> um, and so then, like that all being the case, how, how did you end up in Sydney? What happened?
2: Uh, COVID happened. (laughs) Yeah, COVID happened. So um, I had some little uh, ups and downs with my visa story. So a a, a refusal, so I had to lodge an appeal. Anyway, so I had some bumps in the road. But uh, when COVID happened, the gym obviously had to close. So we were closed for two months or three months or whatever that was. and uh, as long as you're not permanent resident, even if you have been working in a business for years, you're not entitled to anything. So I ended up having to just run PTs uh, as much as possible. I had the keys of the gym. So, we were doing one-on-one. Big boss. Yeah, one-on-one sneaky PTs um, to keep going. And that was actually uh, them supporting me through it too, which is awesome. Uh, and some of my clients that set up a gym at home for me to come and train them. Cool. So, I, I, I ended up actually focusing more just on my coaching because I didn't have a management role. And starting to rethink how I could actually make this everything that I do. I probably don't necessarily need to be a manager either. Um, and months later, I just realised, oh man, I've been running my own business for that long. I didn't realise. <laughs> I've been actually just making my own money now because I'm not paid by anybody else. Um, so that was a, re- a really cool uh, thing. But yeah, COVID happened. The gym had to close. For them to be able to reopen uh, in a better financial health, way. Because there were three business partners um, and they, there is only one left now. So they kind of split at the same time. Take um, out, no, Polly.
1: <laughs> taken.
2: And um, yeah, three is not a good number, right? <laughs> no, no, joking. But um, so they had to reopen the gym under a different business. Right. So the space, the Academy Bar and Bay, is massive. It's two floors, it's huge. So now inside of one gym, there are three gyms. Oh. So one is CrossFit Byron Bay, that has uh, taken a part of the building and is paying rent. One is the academy, uh, the academy Byron Bay, which is now only Jiu Jitsu. Mm-hmm. And upstairs, where I was coaching, is now Newman Boxing. So it's a striking studio. Okay. So there there is enough space to actually create three gyms out of one, plus a cafe and a lounge area and reception area. So it is massive. Um, so f- to do that, it means that the old business is dissolved, does not exist anymore. There's no ABN, so there's no more sponsorship.
0: Right. Okay.
2: Yes. Um, so, yeah, it was just a good time for me for a change. And in the meantime, I had other things happening in my personal life. Uh, I was meant to move to Brisbane, so I had uh, a breakup and everything else like happening. It was just a, a heavy year of shifting things. Um, And then I just decided, you know what, Byron is awesome. I got the most out of it. I had an awesome experience. I learned all of these things that I can take now somewhere else because it is a small town where I feel like I cannot grow and evolve anymore. It's too little for me. Let's move. So I literally had no plan, just knowing that I wanted to go. So I put everything I have in my car um, and I had friends – of a friend that lived in Bondi and had a spare room where I could stay for a week or two.
0: Bondi is like an outer suburb of Byron Bay. <laughs>
2: <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, I had no intention to live in Bondi for sure because I knew Bondi could be and all that, that, that yeah. jazz, but I was just like, I'm definitely not moving to Bondi. But it was really nice to have a place where I could actually land Man. and be for a week or so. So put everything in my car, everything I could fit in my car, um, and, uh, drove down and went to, um, stay with these friends. Uh, they are really close friends to me now, which is beautiful. And, uh, stayed with them for about 10 days till I found my place and uh, started looking for work and everything else. But yeah, I had nothing. I didn't know anybody either.
0: And that was, and then that was a couple of days later than you came down here.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I got here Friday night and I was here Monday morning.
0: Fucking cool, man. Yeah. So when you got to Bondi, you didn't really have any expectations of what you were gonna do in Sydney? You're like, I'll just get there and figure something out.
2: Yeah, I didn't have expectations and I didn't have plans, but I had some strong Isn't gut it, yeah. feelings.
1: That's not necessarily true. You had expectations.
2: Oh yeah, actually, yes. I mean, yeah, yeah. I had expectations. Can you I mean tell I Tell us have about
1: have your about yeah, what you thought you were gonna do here. Because you told us just yes. before and we've we've heard this and I love it. It's it's almost similar to how you ended up at um uh, the academy, the academy yeah. yeah where you just presented yourself and said this is it yeah can you tell us yeah it's, it's <laughs> what I
2: happened I just had some really strong gut feeling that I had to come here and that I would be at the Jungle Brothers I cannot explain why but it's even me being here today in this podcast I have said it too So I just, um, I was following you and really loving what you guys do. And I was telling my friends when I left, I'm moving to Sydney. I'm going to live by the beach. So I found a house just by the Mahon Pool, which is awesome. And That's in Maroubra? Yes, in Maroubra, yeah, with the coolest housemate and coolest dog. Absolutely love it. Um, And uh, I'm going to work at the Jungle Brothers in no time. I'm also going to have my podcast and I'm go- I said all of these things. It, it is ridiculous how, and I, I remind myself this all the time now, just keep on doing it because it works. What do you want? Well, write it down or say it out loud because, oh, this, this sounded Aussie, out loud. <laughs> my God. Be- <laughs> because you're going to make it happen. And I really try to practice this now all the time uh, because I did say this I would work at the Jungle Brothers in no time and it just happened. I I felt it. I can't tell you why, but I knew it.
1: Well, getting to know you um, now, uh, having been here for three months or so, like uh, it's also because of your, your personality and your drive. It's very much um, – well, you're a fighter and very much you're like that in every other aspect of your, of your life. So, yeah, I think speaking something um, into actually happening – and, you know, you can talk about, like, law of attraction, et cetera. It brings that to the forefront of your mind. But you still have to take action. And you're, you know, since you landed, you've been going pretty damn fast, going for the goals. And, you know, you're a hard worker too.
2: Thanks. Yeah, I hope so. I, hope so. I try. I'm a big procrastinator too. Uh, but I,
0: do-
1: I doubt it.
2: <laughs> oh, you might yeah. have procrastinated oh, once for, like, a minute. No. <laughs> trust me, no. But, mm. yeah, I just – I think I'm – Probably a little hard on myself most of the time, but that's what makes me that's your keep, drive. keep on yeah moving forward that's my drive um, yeah, I just had a lot of hurdles um in life, like everybody does, but mine's mine are probably a bit different, and the ones I had forced me to be like this, the ones I had forced me to be um well, you got you, so make it happen, so be stronger than the others be harder than the others are be tougher be that was the mentality I had but I think training definitely training martial arts have made me more like that Mm. Um, and it was just the best thing I ever did for myself in my life
1: it changed me Is there any of those hurdles that are um, not off limits that you could maybe talk about today? Yeah, of course. I
2: I can talk about all of them because I think I'm not the only one, you know, everybody has those. And um, so, yeah, I just left home when I was um, 18. So I was uh, born in France. I'm French Moroccan, born in France, uh, moved back to Morocco when I was seven. Uh, And. moved there with my with my parents, with my family, uh, went to a French school. So I was living in Morocco, but a little bit disconnected from the country because I was in a, a French school, like French calendar, French everything. Um, then when I was 18, I um, wanted to go to uni and keep studying. So I could not do it in Morocco because I was studying in a French system. So I moved back to France to do that. And uh, that was that was uh, the big change that was, okay, now you're 18, you're going to move back to France, you're going to be independent, you have to run everything by yourself, your apartment, whatever. But I also grew up in a, in a let's say, traditional... Uh, school wasn't traditional, but home was... Um, and uh, just a different mentality, all-school mentality from my parents.
0: Moroccan traditional?
2: Yes, yeah, and from uh, my dad in particular. So, for example, like martial arts is something that I kind of always had in the back of my head when I was a kid, but it wasn't a thing for girls, so I never ended up doing it, but I always was in sports and competition, so I was um, competing in athletics, um, and somehow like my family was more supportive of that than something else so I was Mm -hmm. just yeah sprinting and stuff like that so always loved um competition then um yeah then I left when I was 18 and very quickly I just understood if I want to be independent on my decisions my choices or whatever I want to do I need to be financially independent so within a year so I was 19 I uh called my dad and I said look I don't need a financial support anymore. I'm good now. I'm just going to make it on my own. So I was basically studying, working, doing internships uh, while I was studying. Because in France, we have a pretty good system for that. So I did my, um, my bachelor and my master in, uh, an in, in a kind of internship. So especially if you work for big companies, and I did work for Coca-Cola or big businesses at that time, they actually pay you a business school which costs grounds and grounds a year. And they also give you a salary. Hmm. So you study, you work. So you work a lot more than other people, but you do get your degrees. You are paid. You have experience at the same time. So it's like wow, the best thing you can do. But that, that allowed me to actually do private business schools that I didn't have to pay for or have a student loan for um, and also have uh, an income. So I could pay my apartment, start traveling, that's and cool. yeah, without having to ask anything to yeah, my sure. yeah family.
1: So, what were you studying? Was it, it was it was business?
2: Yeah, I did. Um, I did a, uh, a bachelor in like business mm. marketing, mm. and then I did a master in uh, management business retail, and it was specialized in big uh, big distribution chain. Mm. Yeah. So, and I did a lot of my internships in uh, food distribution ch- chains. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's a huge thing for an eighteen-year-old to do. Um, I think it's hard enough that you know not everyone can have that perspective because many people, well, if you're fortunate, you know, will not move out of home within their own city with their, you know, the nest and home and safety close by. Maybe they will wait till later, um, but yeah, to do that and move to another a whole other country um, and then cut off any and you know any safety financially as as a choice um yeah that's huge and you become independent really damn quickly um yeah that's a big move
2: yeah you do and i think that yeah was um i just kind of almost like mm i want to be what my mom was not uh and i think that was my my motivation i just felt like yeah, my mum wasn't um, so much, but actually she was. Now growing up, I understand that uh, for her, it was a choice to actually look after her three kids. But for me growing up, it was like, mm, no, I want to have a career, I'd be a businesswoman and I don't want to be at home looking about after kids. Now growing up, I understand that if you can do that, it's actually a chance. It can be a choice. Didn't see it like this when I was mm. younger. But that just, yeah, made me more driven to, to succeed a little too much because then I was so oriented career, like big time. I had yeah. Uh yeah. I just wanted to ha to be successful business woman. And I got there.
0: I could see you in that role. High oh. powered.
2: Oh my god, yes. <clears throat> high powered, uh high heels, blazer, red lipstick oh. and glasses and just Brutally like honest. follow me. Eating is happening right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> take a seat, and then straight into business. I was a, ho- I was a horrible businesswoman, but I was paid to, to be that. Um, yeah, so it was actually a lot of pressure, big big markets. So I was running 165 million euro a year for that company. So it is a lot of money in food industry. Mm. Um, so a half-half cent matters.
1: So can you join the dots to then coming to Sydney? If you were to fast forward, you were doing that for some time and then the decision was to move out. And obviously you're pretty far from pinstripe suits right now.
2: Yeah, very far from it. <laughs> um, so yeah, when I... She's um, wearing a
1: jumper
0: that says Death by Gay Club. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's important to me yeah. Yes.
2: Um, so... I did that till uh, I was 27. So when I was 27, that's when I decided, okay, I need a change. So I chased that career for a few years, got it, ended up having that position of my dreams, doing it for a couple of years, and then looking around me and looking at my colleagues that I I really loved dearly, but they had a horrible life. In their 40s, smoking two packets of cigarette a day, super stressed, Making good money, but mm. f- what for? They don't have time to do anything. They don't even remember their kids' birthday or names. They go on a holiday and just lay down in a hmm. chair around the pool <laughs> because they're exhausted. And I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna end up like this. I don't want that. And um, yeah, one day. I was in Biarritz, so Biarritz is uh, the south coast of France, um, just in the Spanish border, and that's like the little French Byron Bay, actually. It's all a surfy town, and Mm. I was just got out of the surf and sitting, you know, in in the sand, and I'm like, my God, I I would love to be able to do this, like, more often. And uh, my friend just told me, well, you can. It's just up to you. And just something happened at that moment, shifted. I was like, he's right. I actually just have to quit my job and I can do whatever I want. But I was so surrounded by people that were career oriented just like me.
1: You're in that, that world. I, I yeah. couldn't
2: see it. Yep. When I started getting out of the zone and s- having friends that run their business in the surf industry or whatever and having an awesome life and making more money than me. And I was like... Fire out. Yeah, why not? And I went back home and I started planning. It was in May. I started planning my escape. How am I going to leave this? without quitting my job.
1: Were you already training at that point and yes. fighting?
2: Yes. Uh, at that point. That was part of your life. Yeah, it was. And uh, so the, the job I had was very stressful. And that's what led me to start striking, <laughs> basically. <laughs> it was extremely stressful, a lot of pressure. You know what time you get to the office, you don't know what time you leave. Um, so I just thought I need something very challenging Hardcore, where I finish and I'm done. And also where I can shut my mind off. I'm not thinking about my business or whatever. So um, I found this gym called Phoenix 13 uh, in uh, the 13th district in Paris, which was right near my office. And they ran classes from 8pm to 10pm. Welcome to Paris. (laughs) But... (laughs) i was like you know what you have no excuse to miss it because i'm often at the office till 7 p.m or past but i leave by eight so i have no excuse to miss it i'm gonna go there so i went to my first class trial kind of thing and that was it i don't know what happened but i was like this is for me the next day i went to the shop got Shin pads, gloves, mouth guard, everything. Came back the next day with the ma- everything. I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that was it. Started training there and it was French kickboxing, so s- quite different than Muay Thai.
0: Is that Savat? Yes, okay. Savat.
2: Savat French kickboxing and boxing. So we had both. I um, remember
0: the, the, the UFC, UFC one with, uh, what was his name? Gerard?
1: Uh, Gerard?
0: Yeah. Gerard, do you remember he fought. Um, he was, uh, I think he got to the final, fought Hoist Gracie and then got beat by Hoist Gracie. But he was a famous, he was a famous Savat fighter. The,
2: the, just the art is completely different. Like the kicks and stuff are very, very different. Yeah, I, right. I actually, right now that I changed, I was like, nah, never again I'll do that shit.
0: Like you think Muay Thai is a oh,
1: more developed art? Or
2: 100%. Muay Thai is definitely the more um, efficient and hardcore striking right. art is Muay Thai.
1: Can, can you tell us a little bit more about it? I know you're on your story now, but can you tell us what, what are the actual differences? I don't know what, what uh is. The
2: differences, so um, mainly, let's say they mainly come uh, into kicking. So hands, probably the same. Uh, as Muay Thai? As probably the same as Muay Thai, let's in, in say the basics of, of it. Yeah, but in Savat, so there's no elbows. In mm-hmm. Savat, there's no knees. Mm-hmm.
1: There's no clinch. Kay. And
2: the way of kicking There's is, the is yeah, the, all <laughs> the fun is gone. And then the way of kicking is um, more like you flicking it's your leg, like yep. a whip and you take it back. Muay Thai, you throw your hip and your hip okay. lands back. It's a, it's a kick that comes really from your hip that hurts a lot more comes with like a, a bent knee and you're really kicking with your shin. In Savat, we had shoes, like flat shoes and the shin guards go from your knee to your ankle. They're not covering your foot. Mm. So you're wearing shoes. Okay. Makes a whole difference. The first time I had to transition to Muay Thai and wear shin pads that were covering my foot and were and training barefooted was so weird for me.
0: Okay. Yeah. Kind of unprotected.
2: Yeah, it's just uh, the motion is completely different. The stance is different. The way of kicking is different. The, and at the end, it makes your way of punching different too. And I just love knees and elbows. It's just so cool to have that too. Fuck like, people up you with taking, those Yeah, <laughs> you're taking the best weapons out of you. No way.
0: The guy's name was, yeah, Gerard Gordeaux. Oh, That's Gerard Gordeaux, Yes,
1: That's yes, it. yes, yep.
2: yes. Absolutely. I remember yes. him
1: um the the hawaiian guy the sumo guy taylor Tooley being on his ass on the edge of the cage and he just like head kicks him in the side of the head like a baseball bat
0: yeah and taylor Tooley's tooth flies out of his mouth Ugh. oh that's right yeah, yeah and he, he was like sumo wrestler he's like oh he hadn't he didn't think about if i if i'm just sitting there i'm gonna get kicked in the face yes that was so heavy <laughs> oh, ufc one it's come a long way <laughs> go on so you you have this high-powered corporate chick
2: you're yeah, doing the thing,
0: you found fighting and it's an outlet for you.
2: <laughs> oh, it was a massive outlet for me. I just, uh, I loved it so much. I was waiting for the time I'll go and train. Um, and
0: I'm guessing that the coach would have seen great potential in you from the beginning in terms of like, because you're just all in. That's but what like, happened. I'm, here, I'm training yeah. already athletic as.
2: That's what happened. I, I from, was from a little bit, athletics. but yeah, mm. I was a little bit, but not so much. Like at that point I was working so much that you, have, you don't have time to go to the gym or do anything. Um so it was a good way for me to get back at it. It was the opposite. I was like unfit and um and uh just eating sandwiches in front of my computer at lunchtime is so bad. Mm. Drinking heaps of coffee. Yeah, they are. That's (laughs) That's one thing I definitely miss. I prefer Aussie coffee, but the French sandwich. Um and uh so yeah, I started training and what happened is very quickly I moved to advanced Classes and like striking with advanced people. And I just, um, I don't know why. I just clicked like this. I was good at it. And that's it. I kept going and loving it. And and then slowly, slowly you start having like inter-clubs competitions and stuff like that. And it's all padded because Savat Savat is different. And the funniest thing is uh, our training was 8 to 10 p.m. But the training before us, 6 to 8, was Muay Thai. So every time we had that crossover in the changing rooms, right, with the Muay Thai chicks and us, and I see them coming every time with, like, black eyes and they looked, like, strong and they looked so mean. And I was like, these girls are so crazy. Can you imagine knees and elbows? They're crazy. I would never do Muay Thai. That's what I always used to say. Um, I don't know who that chick is now. now. (laughs) She's gone. She's dead. Um, So, yeah, it was like... Something I didn't think I would do that was, like, the next step. And uh, it isn't. <laughs> Not anymore.
0: Can I ask, um, just going back a bit, about um, with your dad, yeah. where you told him, um, hey, I'm, um, you know, I'm good. Like, I don't need financial support and whatever. And, and you, know, you're, you know, you're 19 years old at the time, so to him you're still his little girl. Um, was that culturally, I'm guessing, that was a pretty big move for you to make like i'm fe- like uh, w- did you grow up uh, uh, do you have a religious background
2: so my yeah my parents are muslim okay yeah, and i grew up in that muslim tradition yeah um now i like i don't practice i haven't been practicing for, for years um but that's that's what is yeah difficult sometimes so, so
0: yeah so i'm guessing like that would have been just a big shift in in like your relationship with your family and in life and that kind of thing.
2: Not at that point. Uh, not at that point because at that point it was just uh, me saying, you know what, like I actually got um, uh, a little job or something after after uni. After so I'm I'm fine, and I also had which is really good is that the government helps you a lot in France when you if you study and have an internship at the same time. They, even though you get paid by the company, your kind of equivalent of Centrelink help or whatever it is, increases even more. So they consider you as studying, but also working. They give you extra help. So I had extra help as well to cover my rent and all that. I was like, I'm sweet. So I explained it quite easily to my dad, just saying, I'm actually doing pretty good. Now you don't have to help me anymore. And he was fine with it. Okay. Um, but that did not disconnect me from, from the family. Right. That was still I, fine. That's not the big, yeah. The big steps were more like me being me, me being super open and, you know, uh, me traveling and me saying, oh, you know what, I'm going to Sri Lanka this year. And my mom be like, uh, isn't that near India? Yeah. Oh, why? How? Or, you know, just the fear of something you don't know.
1: I totally get that. Because hey, I think, uh like, say, in Sydney and stuff, like uh the culture here is a travel culture. And, like, it's not uncommon or – I mean, parents here, they want their children to travel, a yeah. lot of them. And we all do it and we all, you know, whether it's interstate or, or elsewhere. But, you know, there's lots of other cultures where you stay close to the nest. And I yes. think now when you speak to me, I, I think a bit about my sister, Betty, Um, and I come from an Islander family and, um, she was, I think what you're trying to explain was she was a bit like, she did things different and she was, I had older siblings, but she was, she was young enough to not have to adhere to the rules that they had. Yes. And she was just like, she'd go clubbing. Her, her hair was wild, you know, where it was like always trying to be neat and tidy, and it was that sort of thing. Yeah. So it was The a youngest,
2: like, kind of, Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm the youngest you're too. The, yeah. So I definitely had, uh, I was able to do things that my siblings weren't. Yes. And I took the rights to do things as well. Yeah, so, yeah. like, if. I'm going <laughs> to do it. Being at home it's and my parents, world. like, no, you're not going to that party or that nightclub or whatever because we just don't do that. Yeah, okay. I still went
0: yeah i just yeah, made yeah. it
2: happen so i manifest that shit that's it i manifested <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah, thing yeah. you know um so yeah that was definitely and slowly slowly obviously me quitting my job mm. leaving uh going somewhere one after after so another one thing. after another me do fighting like my mom i, I used to send her photos just to keep her in the loop of what I'm doing, and she hated seeing me in a, in a ring or in a, which I can understand, but um, it's just me stepping away from a career that was something for them for sure. and doing what I do is just not good enough in their culture or frame of values or whatever. so yeah, it was always I always had to kind of um, fight for it, and I still do, and I will. Uh yeah just to be to be me that's all it is I'm, I'm, we're different and yeah
1: how dare you enjoy yourself and do things that you love yeah yeah it's, it's hard. a bit like that <laughs> yeah tell us about your um
0: your your Muay Thai fights how many have you had
2: in australia i had 3 um uh and a boxing fight so two two and a boxing fight in two australia and a yeah fight. and yeah the hard thing with uh muay thai is, is all the Fights that kind of uh, fall through happens um, a lot. Oh, a lot. I probably had four or five falling through. So you go through the fight camp, and if you're lucky, you don't go uh, right up to the end, or they find you someone else. Um, and sometimes it's like a week out of it, or two weeks out of it, and. <laughs> Uh, injury happens or something like that to you right. or to your opponent. I had to pull out too because I injured my ankle really badly uh, a few years ago. I was meant to come compete in Sydney, actually, in the, at the Yokao show. It was a huge one and I uh, smashed my ankle and was out for weeks. So, so they, they did find her someone else, but sometimes that stuff happened and it's so frustrating. Um, and the worst actually was uh, on my way in day. That was the worst ever. I and went through the whole Yes, I went through the whole uh, fight camp. I did my first part of the weight cut in the morning. So you're s- starving, you're fasting and you're wrapped up in plastic <laughs> and shadow boxing in the sun. Uh, and you have another kilo or whatever to cut in the afternoon or and then
1: they tell you it's not
2: happening and it's like, "Oh, so yeah, that is a little bit, but it's part of the game, and that's what it is. Um, but yeah, it's been uh, it's been awesome to do that. Sometimes I look back and I, I look at a photo. And I'm like, this is me. Yeah, it's me. And it's almost like there's two two persons. Like one is is out there doing it, and the other one's just observing and saying, "You're crazy." Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's awesome how how what you can actually do.
0: Do you um. Do you still have desire to compete in Thai boxing or in any kind of striking sport?
2: Uh, Thai boxing, no, um, because just the commitment to it is, is, is very big, all the fight prep and all that, and also um, the injuries you can get from it. Uh, I, and I'm out for, for a little bit, like coaching and training. It just puts you out for a bit. Um, my legs usually always take too long to recover. Fighting without shin pads is a different thing. Like you really get bone damage and deep bruising and my legs always take too long to recover. Um, what, what,
0: how long does it take? Like, are you talking weeks? Longer?
2: Yeah, yeah like to be able to kick again. Like, yeah. Yeah, right. Oh, just the legs are so sore. I yeah. I can imagine. And lucky Awful. enough, like I never broken a nose or something like that. Um
0: it's a good nose for fighting. It's like low profile. You <laughs> see? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Might happen with
0: Jiu-Jitsu, you don't know.
2: <laughs> but then I decided I wanted to fight MMA. So that's how my journey with Jiu-Jitsu started. Uh, I thought, okay, I had the Savat, I had the Muay Thai, I had the boxing, I had an awesome boxing boot as well. Um, and then let's do, let's do MMA. That would be cool to fight in the cage. So I started grappling <laughs> And it I've would be
1: cool. <laughs> <laughs> All the yeah. listeners are thinking the same thing. So
2: good. So that would be actually the only thing I still have on the back of my head. All right. Is maybe. It
1: would be good to tick that box.
2: Maybe it would be good to tick that box. And it would be not, like it's different than, than Muay Thai because of the, the grappling option you have while you're fighting. And a lot of people would just strike a lot. MMA is becoming a lot of striking sport. But because a lot of them aren't coming from a background jiu-jitsu, they're coming from striking background and adding jiu-jitsu. But to me now, I think both are quite – like I feel like both are so present in me that I would definitely shoot (laughs) and go to the ground in the cage, you know, to finish with a sub. So I don't know. Interesting. Uh, c- could, could, could happen, <laughs> could happen, but I started Jiu because of that reason, I wanted to get in the cage, and I thought, okay, let's start grappling, and I did not understand what happened to me, I just uh, fell in love with it, <laughs> and I was like, this is so cool, and after maybe three months, I just decided, okay, I'm competing, and I did my first comp in jujitsu, Jitsu, and I did not stop since.
0: Holy shit. Did you start that at the academy? Yes. Yeah,
2: Yeah. I started at the academy. Um, I had uh, a few classes here and there when I was still uh, striking a lot and then I got injured. So I had a long break. Uh, I had a knee injury, I had a long break. And when I got back, I decided I'm gonna have a break from striking training. To really focus on jujitsu and I'm gonna be on the mats every day rather than striking. And things just changed from there because I gave more time to jujitsu. When you start starting jujitsu or starting montai is very, very different. You get into mutai a lot faster, you feel like you learn and evolve and understand more what you're doing a lot faster. In jiu-jitsu, you're lost for a year and you're like what am I doing? And slowly, slowly, pieces start to come together. So it's just a longer process than Muay Thai. And it was at the start very challenging for me to sit on the mats with people I coach upstairs on the boxing studio and sit on the mats and be the newbie who does not know what she's doing at all. It was uh, just a process of here I am again trying to learn something that I don't know, but I want, good at, I want to be good at this thing. That's what makes... The difference, I think, yeah. is that I just tried harder and more and tried to be on the mats a lot, and it worked. I just, I don't know, I just love it.
0: What do you, uh, what do you think, you know, fighting in general <clears throat> and spending time in a, in a fight gym, it's a very male thing. Like the gyms are largely male-dominated. Um, you know, every, every like, jujitsu jitsu gym owner, we've had it here – with our jiu-jitsu program, um, there's always, not conflict, but there are always, like, tensions and stuff that arise between the minority of females and the majority of males, and there's obviously size and strength differences, and, you know, and then you've got, you add combat into that mix as a form of training, and it's just, you know, there's always stuff that, that comes up and things that need to be managed. How have you found that sort of journey as, you know, as a woman?
2: Um, so... This happens, yeah, everywhere and in every gym. And we had it at the academy when I was running it as well. And that was part of the reason we launched the Fierce Female program. It was just to be able to attract these women that would never come in if it wasn't a female-only environment. But then the goal is to get them just to transition to be able to feel confident enough to just train in a normal class. Um, So that happens in any kind of martial arts, I would say, and other stuff too, but m- probably more in martial arts. Um, for me, it was different, to be honest, um, because if I come to a gym and I see that like most of the people are on the mad side chicks, I'm like, oh, no. I want to be able to roll hard. <laughs> I want to be able to push hard or strike hard. Same thing when I was sparring. I would always, uh, most of the time, work with guys. My coach would put me with guys. Because he would tell me, no, Timo, you can't go with these girls. You, you hit as hard as these guys. You go with them. So for me, it was actually a different thing. I would prefer to train with guys because they push me harder. I can go harder. But I know that's my style, not most of people's style, not most of women's style. Um, and when I started training, a lot of the time I was the only girl in Muay Thai. And same thing with Jiu-Jitsu. A lot of the time, I was the only girl on the mats, most of the classes. Now, that does not happen anymore. Every time I coach a class, I have girls in my class. Every time I go roll somewhere or at my gym, or there's girls on the mats. So, at least there's one more or two more. And I feel like it's happening more and more. So, UFC probably have done a big work uh, with that. Um, and then I think gyms have done a lot of work as well, trying to attract the female community, creating female only classes as well in jujitsu too.
1: Um,
2: and just trying to emphasize a lot more on women on their marketing as well, showing the self-defense aspect more. Um, and you coming here to have a good time learn something and have a sense of community rather than you coming to fight. And I think that has attracted um, women as well. So, yeah, it is changing. It is changing.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I think it's still <clears> – <throat> I think, yeah, it's, it, it's definitely changing. It still is a very male-dominant thing.
2: Yes, 100%. It is, it is a male-dominant uh, world for sure. Mm. Um, and that's a, a thing I uh, – I'm on a mission really. And uh, I
0: – What's that mission?
2: I um, – you know how sometimes people always tell you, oh, you've got to find your purpose, whatever. Maybe I'm saying these things because I lived in Byron for too long. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's so true. And that I feel like that is mine. Um, I don't want to, in my coaching or when I work with young girls or women, I don't want to get into that feminist debate or, you know, like you're as st- strong as men, that's definitely not my angle. My angle is come and feel how strong and Powerful you can be you, not co- comparing yourself to anybody else, just you. you can get this job done. you can um, do whatever you want to do. And martial art empowers you and makes you f- have that fire, you feel it, and you're like, "Oh, I did this thing so good." So I can do that one and that one and that one. And that's my mission is empowering women young girls through martial arts because I think it is one of the best tools to do it that's what happened to me that's what changed my life the last I've been now for eight years or doing it that's what changed everything for me I decided I would go and pursue that thing I decided I would quit my job I decided I would um, fight for my choices facing whatever culture family whatever it is but those are my choices. So you have to pay a price for it, but I can handle it, and that's the difference. That's what martial art made as a difference is showed me that yes, I have everything I need to do it. And running the fierce female program in Bahrain, that's what happened to many of them, um, from quitting a job to starting their own business, from divorcing. <laughs> And I was telling that to Paulie <laughs> yesterday, this story and, um, um, of one of the, the ladies I was training, Mandy, I'll just say her name, she's awesome, and she did the program for months, and I went away on a holiday for weeks, I came back, the girls were waiting for me coming back, they were waiting with, for me with flowers, I just wanted to cry when I saw them, and then Mandy looked so shiny, Right. I was like, wow, something happened. And she came up to me at the end of the session and she said, Tima, I just want to say thank you. Like you really changed something with this program. And I'm like, what do you mean? She said, well, I divorced. (laughs) And I'm (laughs) like, oh, shit, is it a good news or a bad? She's like, hell yeah, it's a good one. I've been there like for 17 years. I was like not happy. And I thought I couldn't do this with my boys. She had two boys. And and after training and after doing all of this, I just realised – I can do it all. And it all comes from this. It's so powerful. And she stopped training not long g- after that because she did what she needed to do through that. So oh it wow. can come into your life just as a, a therapy. Mm. And then that's it. As it can stay. For me, it stayed and, and became became a job and a mission. And I'll do this until I die. I want to roll on the mats until I can't use my hands anymore. <laughs> um, and But for some people, it's just... a, a a therapy or just a time and that's fine but I realized how how that was actually how uh, how that helped me so much in my life and how I could help other women just by actually telling them my story and then making it their story and it's it's amazing I feel so lucky that I, I can do this, that I found something where I can make a living. It's my passion, it's my sport, it's, and I'm doing good. I'm paying rent for living here, you know? This is my, uh, my rent mm, to mm, the to community, the to the earth, to whatever. It's so awesome to be able to do that. It really makes me, it makes me happy to do this,
0: yeah. You mentioned before there was some sacrifices yeah. To, to, to you know, to live that, to live that mission. <clears throat> Just, off of, you know, what comes to mind there? What things do you, you know, in being that ambitious and chasing chasing goals and moving from one country to another, you know, and transitioning careers, what do you sacrifice in that process?
2: Uh, well, career-wise, I sacrificed my uh, financial security. So I had a, a great position with the, making good money and have possibilities to evolve more. So when I decided to quit my job, they offered me a better position. Uh, And luckily I just said, no, I'm going to still go. It's Um, like when you try
0: and cancel your Audible account and they go, we'll give you a free book. And you're like, oh, fuck, okay, I'll stay.
2: Exactly, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, So I, uh, yeah, gave up on that uh, because um, I left with some savings, but I decided to... Yeah, leave my job and uh, that security I have in the career, I always kind of want it. I was quite scared because I didn't know what I was going to do. I just uh, applied for a visa to Australia because of few reasons. Uh, it was like 350 euros or whatever to have a year visa. I could work and travel. Um, the, <laughs> the weather is pretty good. <laughs> it's, it's not really like unless you live in Melbourne, uh, the weather is awesome. Um uh, at that point, I thought Aussies were hot guys, but I changed my mind. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> and uh, n- n- it, they, they are. They are. Some of them are. Uh, but, and then I was surfing a lot at that time. So it was like I could actually surf um, heaps too. And uh, my English was very bad. Uh, and I could actually learn English and be fluent in a year or whatever time. Let's do it. I'll just – I'll do it. So I, yeah, gave up on my job, the security of my job. I left without knowing really what I was going to do, coming to a country where I don't speak the language. Because uh, remember, guys, that your English is Aussie. So it's quite different than, yeah Yeah, you 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 know? if you
0: were to score them in levels, we'd be at the top. It's like, the yeah. Top level of English.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's heaps good. <laughs> yes, it's heaps good. So heaps. you got to, you know, um, learn all of that. So learn the language. Um, and then... Then, obviously, the day I had to call my parents and say, I'm quitting my job. What are you going to do? I don't know. The I don't know is not an answer. Um, so, I, yeah, I had, like, quite a few arguments and fight even before I left, and I had to say, like, really, this is my choice, and that's what it is. So, it kind of escalated from there. I left now six and a half years ago, and it's gone very bad to like, you know, within the years. So I, I yeah, have an a, a, okay relationship with my mother now, but with my dad, we haven't spoken in years. So it's, it's, it, is, it is a process. You have to feel strong enough to do that.
0: So there's, a, there's emotion. The sacrifice there is the emotional turmoil of like yes. disturbing this relationship. Yes. Emotional
2: right. and then financial, financial. And then it means that you won't have support. So you don't have the support emotionally uh, from your family, but you also don't have a support financially if anything happened. So you kind of have to, you're on your own, but you, it's your choice.
1: The sacrifice continues. You were telling me yesterday how um, we we're talking about visas and, um, yeah, that's a real tricky one for yes. for people um and I'm really just becoming aware of how tricky that is, yeah um in the last year with you know meeting you and having other interactions with people I know have known for a long time or get pulled out from their life and they have to go somewhere else, for yeah. instance, that regional visa that came in recently yeah um but you you know you've had other opportunities say for security in other industries, yeah with friends, et cetera yeah. And you've had to, to say no to those to stay true to the mission. And yes. Like, I could do that and I could have this job and, and it could mean sponsorship. Um, however, my mission is this and I need to be true to it. So it's like sacrificing continuously until you get here. Yes. Like, i to stay on this mission.
2: But that is, a, that is th- what felt the best. The right thing. That's the thing is that um, – The goal, for me, the goal isn't... Like, the visa is there, of course, and that's always on top of your head because you're not really home until you really have that. But it's not the... um, I don't want to make it the target or the goal. The goal is what I want to do. The goal is me feeling happy and content with what I do and be aligned uh, with, with who I am and who I want to be and what is my mission. And it took me a long time to actually figure that out. Mm. So mm. when I had those other opportunities, I'm like, hmm, I could actually and do it. But then what is the target? The target is the visa. No, that I, that's not my... If it has to happen, It will one way or another, or it will. But when, when I said, oh, you know what, I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to stick to what I do now because that's what I love doing and I'm going to find another option to do it. I felt so good. Like all the pressure was gone. It felt so right.
1: When, when was that that you, you it, felt that?
2: It was... Um, was that
1: in Byron yeah, during it, COVID or when?
2: No, it was not that long before coming here. Okay. Yeah, it was uh, probably around November. Mm,
1: mm.
2: Something like that. November, October, November. Yeah, I was going through all of that, thinking, "What is the best option and what to do?" And start like actually spoke to a lawyer, see what are the options with that business and all that. And but it's, no, f-
1: yeah, I, I find that particular uh, that that occurrence or that happening in your brain and you deciding that. I find that really, um, really impressive and brave because I just think that most people go towards, uh, yeah, most people would lean towards security mm, comfort. and comfort. And, um, you know, you're in another country um, and I, I can imagine what it's like, but I don't really know what that's like. I'm here, I've got more networks and safety than I yeah and, and I operate from that safety because I know that worst case scenario, everything goes but well. I mean I got family, I can live like yeah it's it's so different for someone, an immigrant who lives here who doesn't have family. So from that perspective, to say no to potential security and regular page I mean you're also your your dream and where your your passion is here. It's also not a a career that has a a salary and stuff either. It's not like you're actually having to do small business and it's continuous. It's every day. Um, I just find that, you know, incredibly brave.
2: But I, to be honest, what it is really, and that was my realisation, is that's when I really realised that this was home, that... um, I do have that security. Even if I don't, I do. Because I've been here for a while now and I actually have created a family.
1: It's true. That is not,
2: yeah, I had that support when I needed it. And there's few people that I can mention that are amazing and that have that role of family support more than Mm. my own, my blood one, It is Michaela, Those are people that that I want to talk about. Now you're on the biggest platform.
1: Nas name them.
2: (laughs) Pete, (laughs) um, Thomas. um, It's just these people and there's more are just incredible. There are people that helped me in many ways. There are people that just told me, what do you need? This, here, here it is. Home, here it is. Money, here it is. Support, here it is. Everything and really like, we're your family here, just don't worry. And it's so that's community and that is so priceless. So I feel like I really do have that support now. I have kids uh, like m- my friend Naz, she's got two beautiful daughters. And these kids, I feel like they're my, my niece or my nieces, or sure. I have that, that now. And it's so awesome to feel that. So even though I had those moments where I was like, what do I do? I'm in trouble and I'm alone. But then I had these reminders too. You're not actually. Because these people just told me, hey, you're not. We're here. We're your family. Oh, amazing. And role models and like Pete – uh, he, he, uh, is a, a man that I admire so much here. Um, he lives in Byron Bay and he's, uh, a, a really, really awesome local figure. Everybody loves that man so much. And for many reasons, he's a, uh, a, a kettlebell specialist. Um, I learned everything I know about kettlebells with him. He taught me so many, so many beautiful things about training and life. He has been like a really good, uh, support and, um, had gone through a hard time this year losing his son and even through that he was still an example and a model to follow of strength of generosity of opening of how insane is that and I have these people around me and they're they're family to me so yeah I I found a good one a chosen one it's it's so brilliant to have that yeah so I'm, li- I'm lucky for that. Yeah, I'm lucky for that. Like, I don't, I don't feel uh, like I have so so many, you know, uh, hurdles anymore. Nah, not anymore. And if there's one, I'll just jump over it easy.
0: <laughs> What's um, <clears throat> – I'm guessing for a lot of people listening, they will be, you know, very inspired by your um, – by just you know your your ability to to accept change in your life and make things happen and like get after the things that you really want, and I think even for people like, it's very impressive to hear when someone actually knows what they want because for a lot of folks it's like if, it's hard to think about well what do I actually want from life? I don't know. I'm just doing it. You know. I'm just kind of we're just sort of following a mold in a sense. Um, do you have any? do you have any sort of regular processes that you use that allow you to sort of distill what you want from things? Like, so you, you touched on this idea of, like, um, affirm, you know, affirmations, whether written or whether spoken. Do you meditate? Do you journal? Like, what's, what, are, what are the things that you might do there on a regular basis that allow you to kind of organise yourself?
2: Um, so I don't meditate. I have tried many times. Not for, like, too difficult for me. Uh, but... In a way, I do, and that's my jujitsu. jitsu That's my meditation. Because when I roll, there's nothing there. I'm so present in that moment and so centred, and you're fighting at the same time, and I feel like that's my reminder of... I just keep fighting all the time for whatever it is. That's my, that's my meditation. I do not sit and meditate. It doesn't work for me. A journal, I have tried... Uh I did it for a few months when um, I was really, really having a hard time. So when the whole COVID hit, so I had many things happening at the same time. A breakup, uh, losing my job, my sponsor, the COVID, the insecurity of all of that. It went on for a few months and I I was everything but not what I am now or what I was before. I was so negative and very down and quite depressed and I was a super skinny um so I went through a lot of hard time, which led me to be in this really, really good time now. So it's the, the rock bottom thing that people talk about it's actually so true. Uh, and uh, as long as you know how to bounce back or you learn how to bounce back, but I did a lot of groundwork at that time. So I've, I wrote a lot. Uh, I'm not doing it anymore because I don't have the need to, I feel. But I wrote a lot, got all of these bad things out. Um, and what I do regularly, on a regular basis, is podcasts, audiobooks. I listen a lot to things. I'm not a very good r- reader to sit and read, but I'm really good at listening. So I'll be doing it in the morning when I catch the bus to go study, when I'm driving, um, at home, when I'm cooking. I constantly listen to things. Um, somebody who I love very much and helped me a lot through this process, Jordan Peterson. You guys probably all know Jordan mm-hmm. Peterson. I love that man. His words resonated with me a lot through that time. And uh, simple things like get up and make your bed. Get up and organize your things. Write l- step by step what you can do. Think simple things. He's got a one on YouTube that is you are stronger than you think. It's a 10-minute one, but I think I'll listen to that 100 times or more mm-hmm. because I just need to listen to it again and again. And then one thing I repeat to myself always, and that comes from one of my, again, beautiful family and role models I had in Byron and I still have, Thomas. Um, he always used to say, it's happening for you, not to you. And now everything I change it to, it's happening for me, not to me even if it's the worst thing. And that's what I managed to do when I lost all of these things after doing all that groundwork to f- start feeling better. Everything is happening for me, not to me. So there's this thing that I repeat all the time and always trying to listen to podcasts, just repeat things. like you got to repeat them all the time. Mm. It's not enough to just understand it and process it once. It's a, a continuous reminder and work that you have to do so I find different sources to yeah remind myself
0: yeah
1: it makes sense it's like um like a mantra if it's something that's short and you repeat it every day yes or just exposing yourself to like uh, an idea or a concept that ring true for you that was working for you yeah and then repeating that you know as in listening to it again or it's the same as writing it in your journal. Yes. Another another day and another day. It's like, ah, uh, that's that thing that worked for me that I feel addresses that thing, and I just want to expose myself to it all the time.
2: Yeah. And phrases, like little phrases that I would hear here and there, and I'll put them on my memo on my phone. Mm-hmm. Um and also jujitsu. So I'll I'll go back at it, but jujitsu is just jujitsu's life. <laughs> Competing. Uh it's like a, a, a cycle. So I'll repeat that again. Every time I put myself in that situation where I'll doubt, doubt myself again, every time we compete with doubt, every single time. If somebody says, I don't doubt and I, I don't stress and I don't get scared, you liar. We all do. So you have that little stress. You have that little doubt again and then you train through it and you show up at the comp and you do it. And you show and prove yourself all over and all over again that you can, and that's why I love competing. And like this last one we had this Sunday was the first time where I did not stress. Don't know why I'm. I'm you getting, look so I'm excited getting, I'm your getting first enlightened, part. guys. Yeah, I was so relaxed and so centered and feeling so confident and strong. I looked at. These girls thinking, how, how long is it going to take me to finish you? <laughs> really, I decided this in my head and I always visualized the same thing. I always visualized the ref uh, lifting my arm up that's what i do every time and
0: the the girl you, the girl's head is in your hand and it's <laughs> severed from her body no never
2: you never going <laughs> <laughs> to we do it all with love Jiu-jitsu and respect this is my meditation <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: finish <her. laughs> Pretty much.
2: but uh, i really picture that i picture every time the ref lifting my arm up and i i feel it like i do it with my arm and I love, yeah, I love this uh, cycle we go through when we compete because that's just life. Every time you're going to have to redo it again. Every time it's going to get hard and you're going to have to go through it and succeed or not because even if you lose, you did succeed. You went there. But I love that. It's just reprogramming my brain all the time to redo it again and again.
1: Reprogramming. Yeah, that's a a good way of describing even the, the listening Uh, To things and exposing them, because I do the same thing. You know, I think um, the idea of meditation. um, I I haven't done much of it at all, and um, I I know that it would be great for me. I also hear a lot of people, including myself, say, um, "You know, I have other forms of meditation." You know, and um, and I just think that uh, the listening of, of something if it's a freaking motivational speech video compilation that's on YouTube or it's some fancy sitting on a mat with your legs crossed and you're chanting something back to yourself, um, I think they're, they're very similar and you can't discredit one because it's on YouTube yes. and how it affects that person. I do the same thing I'll, I'll listen to the same things or and it's almost like a reprogramming i do it with music as well yes me too you know <laughs> and and it's like these songs uplift me and they remind me of something and they can fill your cup in an area that's a bit empty yes and i um, i just observe that because that's what you do as well and it, and it, it works for you and um it, it's kind of its own practice in a way i mean you know it's not as cool as meditation but it, it doesn't matter about the practices; It's about the effect it has on the person, right?
2: Yes. And you, you get used to, like your body, your brain, get used to feel that emotion all the time. So it keeps doing it unless you change it. And those are things like I had to f- learn when I was so down because every morning I wake up and I hate waking up because i got to feel that, that sadness again. And then I'm like, oh, is it just my brain used to it? Do I really want to be sad right now? Or am I intentionally going into that state. And then like Joe Dispenza does yeah, awesome work with that to reprogramming the brain. And it's just things that I listened to and I thought, hmm, this is right. I can actually change this program. And I started changing the program. Mm. And one of the things that changed the program, it was waking up early, going straight to training. So it just... Shifts your week, uh, your day, sorry, in a different way. I wake up early because I've got a goal. I don't have much time to think about it. I just got to get ready and go to train. And then I was outside with Pete, this amazing man, lifting kettlebells in the sun. And you finish and you're like, ah, I feel great. I didn't have time to think about anything negative. I went straight to something positive. And you start reprogramming. And it, the work starts there. It's F- fantastic when you can realize how it
0: works. I think that's a good place for us to wrap it. Mm-hmm. Let's say that's uh, a powerful chat, and it's very cool to get to know your story a bit better. I, I, you know, I kind of knew a lot of it, but it's nice to um, it's nice to be walked through your journey from from France to Morocco, back to France, making your way to Byron, and then to here. Um, there's a lot of things in that that you know people just. We take for granted, right? Yeah. We're all, we're born here, and you know, kind of Polly touched on it. Like there's a lot of security in that, and then to for you know just to get the perspective of someone who's had to kind of fight to get here and make it all work, it just makes you change. It kind of changes how you view things. So I feel quite privileged to to hear that story and also to have you here working Thanks, at the gym. Truly. It's fucking awesome.
2: I'm loving it. This is uh, this is my tribe, really. Like, I, um I had that feeling straight away coming here. This is a, this is the this is the place. This is the people. It's not like the pl- it's not about the place because this can happen somewhere else, um, but in another JB like T is is working on it for example. But it is the tribe, is the essence of it, and that comes from you guys, and it just goes like downwards, and everybody else is giving that again and again and reprodu- reproducing that. Like Dylan is doing awesome work with that, for example. Um, we love yeah, having you here. This is, yeah. my, pl- this is my place. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Um, and for the Fierce Female program, just to finish on that, um, it has been amazing to do that in Byron and create uh, a beautiful, strong community around that. And my mission is to do it again here. So uh, Fierce Female Sydney will take uh, on soon. Um, and uh, I'll be really, really happy and and privilege to share that with more women in this community
0: consider that the official announcement that the yes. fierce female program will be kicking off at some point soon
2: yes absolutely you where can a-
0: where can people find you and get in touch with you
2: so um they can just uh go onto instagram of course we all run social media so Timissima or uh Com um that's my website where you can find all uh, information about training that i do and um, things that i offer from muay thai to gymnastica natural which is a body weight training um and uh, the fierce female program will be kicking off uh soon so there'll be some facebook advertising for people that don't know the gym or just message me um straight on my socials and and we'll get you in timissima timissima yeah t-i-m-i-s-s-a
1: lovely
0: very cool. Um, you, you speak two other languages, French. Do you speak Arabic?
2: French, Arabic, Spanish, English.
0: Can you give us a little outro in a couple of those different languages, please? <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> let's uh, let's start with French.
0: Give us a little French. Just for our French listeners, I know they'll appreciate it.
2: Yeah, um, there are actually a few. Um, un, un plaisir de travailler ici, un, un environnement exceptionnel, avec uh, des coachs exceptionnels qui ont vraiment à cœur de prendre soin uh, des gens. Euh c'est beaucoup plus que s'entraîner. Beaucoup plus que s'entraîner, ça 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 va du du corps à l'esprit. Voilà.
0: voilà. smooth. No. Do you want it in Arabic? Can or you give us some in Arabic? <laughs> <laughs> <they're> cool.
2: <laughs> I'm not quite sure. <laughs> um, Fatima Zahra, um a Jungle Brothers uh, Botany. Um euh elle a apprisit euh Muay uh, Thai تعلم Jiu Jitsu Nisa Kanterini Nisa Ila BGTG Fatima Zahra That's me
0: That's so cool Mad Thanks Tima <laughs> Musical Thanks boys <laughs> Thanks Paulie Guys thanks for listening I hope you enjoyed that episode um, Thanks for being a supporter of the show If you did enjoy that episode Please share it with a friend it Helps to get the word out there And, and um, bring people to hear the awesome stories That we get to share of people such as, as what Timon just shared with us. Um, we got our coaches intensive coming back up in August. If you're interested in that, get in touch, junglebrothers.com. Uh, big props to Pan Coffee. We are drinking the brews today. Didn't give them a shout at the beginning. And uh, we do have the JB Games coming up. So if you are a member of the tribe, know that your time is coming to compete. Uh, thanks, guys. We'll catch you next week. Peace.